Greetings, everybody, and welcome once again to the Rec Poker Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Fredland. Delighted to bring you another week. Uh, this week, uh, we're doing some Q&A with rec players with a variety of experience. I asked them to submit uh, some audio files answering these questions. How has your game improved? What areas do you want to improve? What are some common mistakes that you see recreational players make all the time? How do you improve your game, and what is your ultimate goal? So we're going to hear from a number of people, uh, everything from somebody who's never played a casino game all the way to somebody who plays two, three times a week in the casino. So uh, I think you'll enjoy this, especially if you're a, a newer player. Uh, you can really start to understand some of the common themes uh, that recreational players are seeing as we all try to improve our game. Uh, before we get into that, I first of all want to thank Running Aces, who is the official sponsor of the Rec Poker Podcast, and I also want to give a plug for All In For Africa. We have our seventh one coming up October 28th at Running Aces. We raise money for Africa, and it's a, but it's a great time. Half the money that's paid in goes to the prize pool, but then we also supplement it with a bunch of bounties, and it usually ends up being an overlay in terms of total amount paid out. So please put that on your calendar, show up, it's a great time. If you want to be a bounty and you want to be on the flyer, we usually have like 30 different bounties on our flyer that we put out in advance. I'm in the process of putting that together now, so please let me know if you want to be a bounty or if you want to donate a prize that could be used as a bounty. We'd love to continue to build this thing. We've raised, oh, about $65,000, $70,000 over the first six, and the impact is just staggering. I've had a chance to go to Rwanda four times to see what we're doing over there. And I tell you what, uh, what we do with All In For Africa and the money that we raise is literally changing and saving lives. For, so thanks so much for that. So now we're going to get into the Q&A with the, uh, the recreational players. I'm first going to have each of them briefly introduce themselves. And then we'll get into each question and have all of them answer that question and then move on to the next question. So hopefully you can get a good feel for some of the common themes that are emerging and how us recreational players are thinking about the game. My name is Stacy Nelson. I started playing Hold'em just a few years ago. I've just gotten into the tournament play, haven't done any cash. Mostly do buy-ins of $150 or less. And I try to play about once a month or somewhere in that area. Hello, this is Taylor Moss for the Rec Poker Podcast. I primarily play low stakes online tournaments but we'll find my way out to my local card room to play a mid-stakes live tournament as well. Hi, my name is Steve Olson. I am a uh, part-time poker player. I play as much as my job will allow. Uh, I split my time between probably 70% tournaments, 30% cash. I generally play at Running Aces. I also play at Canterbury, uh, although Running Aces is closer to my house, so that's where I find myself uh, most often. Hi, my name is Rocky Wiley. I play poker about 6 to 12 times a month. Uh, I generally play at Running Aces in the double stack games and then a few smaller tournaments, uh, typically at Grand Casino Hinkley. Um, I split my time uh, in games about 90% tournaments and about 10% cash. Yeah, hi, my name is Steve Fredland and I play regularly probably a couple of times a week on average, sometimes more, sometimes less. I almost exclusively play live tournaments. I don't play online, and I don't play cash. And typically, I'm playing at Running Aces, sometimes Grand Casino Malax, or home games. Hi, my name is Chris Gorton. I play in two different leagues with high school and college 
buddies and some of their acquaintances and some people from work and a work group that uh, plays two times a year. The question is, how has your game improved over the last few years? The question implies that my game has improved, and I guess I believe it has. Looking, at, I've been tracking my results a little bit, and it has improved. Um, one of the questions here was mistakes I don't make as often. One of the first things that comes to my mind is I don't assume everybody's playing my style. I was uh, pretty tight and really only willing to make moves or make big bets if I had a really strong hand. And I kind of, at the beginning, assumed that's what everybody did. They'd bet big when you had it, and you wouldn't bet when you don't. And I've um, kind of moved out of that a little bit and understand that there are different types of players, some people just like that, and a number of others that, um, that don't play like me. So I have to look to other means to, uh, to evaluate whether they may have the hand or not. That's one of the areas I've found uh, since I took a trip to Vegas and played several days in a row. Really felt that helped me uh, evaluate uh, people's hand ranges and getting a, um, a quick feel for um, a lot of players. There's still some players at every table that I can't really get a read on. But if I can get a read on five, six, or seven out of the, out of the table, um, that gives me a good comfortable feeling and then try to avoid the people that I really don't have a good read on. Or at least know that I don't have a good read on them and take that into account when I'm playing a hand against them. Over the past couple of years, I've tried to watch other players and study and do a lot of discussing with other poker players and uh, I've tried to do what I've referred to as trying to add tools to my toolbox because I felt very limited at the beginning. Um, so I've just been trying to slowly but surely try to add a tool like a 3-bet or um, say a butt move to steal the blinds or something like that. I wouldn't um, have even known to try these things, didn't know people did these things a couple years ago. So I've been just trying to add things like that. I call them tools uh, to my toolbox. The one I'm working on now is trying to find situations where I think other people are putting themselves at risk, either being too tight or way too loose or too aggressive, and find a way to take advantage of these situations. First off, I want to say that this question is ever-changing in my personal answer. Um, I feel like my game is constantly evolving and what I think may be a strength at one point in time, if I revisit it a year, two years, whatever it may be later, I may look back and say I was not playing optimally. Uh, with that being said, right now I think the biggest strength in my game is my preflop decisions. Uh, I feel like I make good decisions as it relates to what should my opening ranges be pre-flop from different positions, and also what should my 3-betting, uh, calling, etc. strategy be uh, with each specific hand. I took a lot of time uh, kind of breaking down what hands I'm playing, what hands are causing me trouble, and looking at what positions I'm opening them from. 
Uh, so myself personally, I really tightened up my early position ranges. So when I'm under the gun, I'm not playing as wide of a range as I used to. And then also from later positioning, I'm opening up my ranges. So when I'm in position on the button or in the cutoff, I'm taking some of those hands that I would have been folding previously and I'm actually three betting some of those or just calling if I think that hand can flop well versus my opponent's range. And that actually gets into the second part of where I think my game has improved and that's hand ranging my opponents as well as my own personal range. Um, I think prior I would continuation bet a lot and not pay much attention to the flop that I'm betting as well as where's my opponent and what might they be calling pre-flop with and then seeing on a specific flop. So by this I mean if there is a what we would call a wet board and where my opponent called my initial raise from will make a big consideration in terms of my continuation bet. And all that comes down to hand raging and what I think my opponent is calling me with. And that allows me to make continuation bets better or avoid losing money on continuation bets when I should not have put out the initial bet. Um, but like I let off with initially, I may you know, make some changes to my game in the future. I may study certain things about what I'm doing currently and look back at this time and say, I'm not doing stuff perfectly and I need to make a change. And it was actually a leak in my game that I needed to plug. Uh, so I think this is something that always gets changed. But as of right now, those are my main strengths in my game. Specifically referring to tournament play, I think the biggest um, improvement has just come with time and really getting to know the players that you're playing against. What are their tendencies? What are their betting habits? Uh, th that's just been an invaluable source of uh, knowledge for me. Uh, I think I would say um, that I'm, uh, I've learned the value of position in poker. Um, what it means as a hand plays out. Uh, post-flop um, and just that situational awareness you know being able to, to act last uh, it's something that seemed like a struggle for me uh, early on and you know I just sort of played the big hands whenever I got them and I didn't use my position to attack other players uh, that's something that I've gotten a lot better at over the years um, another place where I think uh, I've kind of made a lot of improvements as sort of not painting myself kind of into that corner. Um, there's just a lot of times, especially when you're using your position, where uh, you can check to your opponent and, um, you know, you, you have showdown value. And that was something I think early on, too, you sort of get built with this mentality of, I have to bet, bet, bet. Um, and the reality is, is, you know, sometimes all of a sudden you get check raised and, you know, what do you do? Um, or you overcommit uh, your stack. Suddenly you have 50% of your stack in the middle and you're facing a check raise or an all in. And, uh, you know, you're sort of left with no options. And I think that was a place 
um, years ago, I used to find myself a lot more often. And now, um, you know, I'm kind of smart enough to not let that happen, uh, aware of what other players are capable of, and, and just try to be, you know, like I say, more aware of each uh, situation as it comes. Uh, and the one big thing I think I've learned uh, over the years is um, when I make a correction to my game, when I study the things I do and really think about it, um, I make much smaller adjustments than I did early on. Um, <clears throat> uh, early on, I, I could show up to a game one week and ultra-passive, and then the next week, uh, you know, bet and fire away like a maniac. And there was kind of no rhyme or reason to it. I was trying to make these adjustments to change my game in a way that I thought would be useful. And, uh, you know, what I finally realized was recognize things I'm doing wrong or could use improvement and just make really small adjustments. Um, and that actually has helped. It's helped my game to kind of come into focus. I notice I make, you know, much deeper runs and far fewer mistakes, uh, which ultimately is kind of my goal. Um, and, and so, you know, those are big challenges for me and, and things that I've done very, very well to kind of, uh, you know, just get better at. Over the past few years, my game has improved in a number of ways. I think it's, it's a weird, but it's improved both in terms of aggression and in terms of patience. So I'm, I'm playing much fewer hands than I used to. I'm being more patient, waiting for those good spots. But when I have those spots, I'm willing to play them more aggressively. I'm willing to three bet more. I'm doing more of those things to try to uh, build ships while I wait for those premium hands or wait for those premium situations. I think in the past I would be patient, but then I could get blinded off and I'd be really uh, card dependent. And now I've figured out a way to uh, add some tools to my toolbox as a way of building ships. Things like uh, punishing the limpers, things like re-raising, squeezing, uh, check-raising flops and turns. Some of those things where you got to be careful with them, you can lose a lot of chips, but they're also great ways uh, to pick up chips while you're waiting uh, for those premium hands and those premium situations. So I think that combination of being more patient and being more uh, willing to put chips, um, chips at risk in situations that I think are good have really helped me uh, grow in my game. And one of the, the symptoms of that, one of the things that I use to monitor that is looking at what my uh, what my cash ratio is when I do cash. What I mean by that is uh, the multiple of what I've received from payout divided by uh, what I bought into the tournament for. So uh, if you if you combine your in the moneyness percentages, that is how often do you cash, that's your in the money percentage, and you combine that with what's your multiple of return conditional upon when you do cash, that will get you to your ROI. So early when I started playing poker, I would have a really high in the money percentage. I might cash 20 or 25% of the tournaments that I played, but my multiple was only 2 or 3x, meaning on average when I cashed, I was only getting 2 or 3 times my money back. So actually that results in being a losing player. And now what I've done is even though my in the moneyness percentage has gone down a little bit, my factor my multiple has gone up significantly every single year over the last five or six years. So I think adding aggression to my game, uh, but not crazy aggression, has actually helped me 
increase my ROI significantly, even though I'm not cashing as often as I used to. I think I've become a lot more patient and play fewer hands instead of getting bored or just trying to make things happen or thinking that so many hands have that so much more potential, especially in the case of like chasing straights or flushes. Uh, so much of the time before, I even if there was a bunch of betting ahead of me, thinking, oh, there's just so much more. If I can hit that straight or flush, I'm going to get so much more out of it. But realizing now that uh, you hit so so seldom that that that's not a a good way to go. Uh, I'm also more aware of my position. In the past, I actually used to think that the earlier position was more powerful because I get to act first and that I wanted to bet because I had a certain hand. And But if I was in later position, two or three other people had bet and raised, then I wasn't able to... Um, I'd, I'd get nervous about that same hand that I already had instead of realizing that being in the later position actually gave me that information that maybe I shouldn't be playing those cards Instead of thinking, well, if I was the first one to act, then I get to be the one betting and everybody's um, scared off of my hand. Also, looking at being aware of the chip size, not, not only how many chips I have and how many big blinds that is, um, but also how, how big are the chip stacks of the people that are in the hand already and then also looking at who who's to act after me and how big are their chip sizes, etc. Uh, also, I'm more willing to, to fold a hand when I think I be, I'm, I'm behind instead of just kind of playing along and continuing getting getting caught up in how many chips I already have in the pot and not wanting to, to lose those. All right, we'll be right back with more questions right after this brief message. Running Aces Casino and Racetrack has the best poker room in Minnesota, featuring 24-7 promos on all cash poker games, including earning $2 per hour in comps, plus the most player-friendly tourney structures. Visit RunAces.com for daily promotions and the tournament calendar. Running Aces Casino and Racetrack, the official sponsor of Rec Poker. What are areas in my game I want to improve? I feel I've been pay, playing pretty well lately, at least within my skill level. And I, I've found a couple tournaments that I've run into where I make one big mistake, where I just didn't think things through well enough and made a big move. And uh, looking back in retrospect, thinking I could have uh, taken a little more time to think through the situation and really gotten away from that hand or maybe vice versa I really probably should have um, pushed hard on something and uh, that type of a thing there's a couple times I just feel like I played really pretty solid but a couple key areas cost me big and I really didn't have to make that big of a play at that time so I'm kind of looking to avoid the uh, the fatal mistakes you're gonna make a lot, a lot of little mistakes along the way but if I can avoid the fatal mistakes keep me in the tournaments and give me a chance at the end. Right now I'm playing pretty or a lot of straightforward poker. I'm winning most of the hands that I should win if I because I have the best hand and I'm folding a lot of the hands that I where I don't have the best hand. 
and that's fine. But I'm right now kind of looking at some strategies to try to find a way to tip a couple more of those in my favor where I don't have to always have the best hand to win. So I don't know exactly what those are, but that's kind of where I'm searching for right now. I'm also looking for a couple strategies that can put pressure on people. Uh, basically, it's looking at um, doing to other people what I hate when they do to me. Things like um, three betting when I'm betting light, raising light, um, calling me two streets and then pounding the river hard. Things like that that put a lot of pressure on that they may or may not have any hand at all. I'm not sure, but it really puts a lot of pressure on me and puts me in an uncomfortable spot. I could say essentially everything. I'm a recreational poker player. I don't play that much. I think every aspect of my game could use improvement and I could improve something. Uh, but as we get into that, I think there's also areas that need more attention than others. Uh, in my previous discussion, I talked about where has my game improved, like what are my strengths, and a lot of my answers were structured around preflop and also hand-ranging my opponent. Uh, when it comes to where do I want to improve, I really think I need to improve my post-flop play. Um, so I feel very confident in how I take my preflop actions. I don't ever question what I'm doing. On the flop, I rarely get to a point where I'm unsure of what to do. But then the turn and river comes around, and whether I'm trying to get value out of my opponent or I'm trying to avoid giving value to my opponent, uh, all those different types of things, should I be calling, should I be raising, uh, what, what is a proper check calling, check raising, check folding, uh, bet folding, all those different types of things, I'm constantly questioning myself on, am I making the right decision? Uh, I think those are areas where a lot of people can see improvement, especially in terms of the tournaments that I like to play. I like to play online tournaments, especially turbos, stuff that can get over with quick. Um, I'm the type of person where if I play a tournament, I don't want to be spending my whole day doing it. I do it for fun. Uh, likewise with live tournaments, a lot of those structures are on the turbo side where after you've played for two, three hours, all of a sudden everyone has less big blinds. And when that happens, all the action is essentially done either pre-flop or on the flop and players don't get that experience of turn and river play. And it's tough to improve on that when you're not seeing those types of plays. Uh, so those that's definitely an area for my improvement. Uh, however, it's something that I can kind of mask by playing these turbos, uh, whether online or live. Uh, my biggest thing that I'm trying to work on right now is my temperament. Uh, not getting too high, not getting too low at the poker table. I tend to get a little bit emotional sometimes. And so that is the area that I'm really trying to work on uh, right now. Uh, got a little bit of Phil Helmuth in my game when it comes to that stuff, and I, I'm really working hard to uh, control it and to uh, eradicate that from my game. Uh, I would say one thing that uh, I find that I do constantly uh, 
when I reassess a game, uh, I, I just feel like I leave uh, too much money on the table. I leave a lot of value. I don't always get max value from the hands that I play. Um, it's something I've been working on for actually quite a while. Uh, and I notice that it gets better and better, but still just one of those spots where um, I think I sort of let opponents off the hook a little bit, um, not really getting the value from them um, that I can or that I should. And, uh, you know, playing a hand well um, and trying to, uh, um, you know, uh, make the right strategic play against an opponent is good. Um, but if I do all that correctly and still don't get the max value, um, you know, a, that's just the same as giving away chips. It's just a leak in my game and uh, something that I constantly, constantly have to work on. Um, another thing that I, I would really like to improve on is my button play. Um, I've learned over the last several years really the value of uh, playing your positions well. But for some reason, I get a little bit in lockdown mode, I think, when I kind of get my button, uh, which is a place where I should uh, definitely be attacking more. Um, I sort of have it in my head, this mentality that, uh, you know, uh, if a pot is just limped into to the button or even unopened straight to the button and I find myself there, uh, many times I think, you know, this is a terrible spot in a way to raise uh, because it looks so sneaky and it looks like such a steel spot. And even though that's true, uh, still playing that position is important. And I think there's certainly a fine line between being just a madman in that position and, uh, you know, constantly getting, you know, chips and too many chips in is obviously a bad thing. But uh, certainly something where I need to be, I need to pick up my aggressive uh, side a little bit and, and be willing to attack those blinds and annies certainly more than I do. Um, definitely a weak spot in my game. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm always reading, trying to find, you know, kind of the, the best balance that I can use from that particular spot. Uh, and mistakes that I make, uh, typically, uh, one thing that I tend to do, especially as I feel that I'm improving in certain areas, I then give my opponents the same credit a lot of times to think, well, you know, this is where I've improved too, so this is where they've, this person's probably there as well. And sometimes I just don't ask myself, um, you know, the, the question um, about an opponent, you know, is my opponent capable of you know, uh, thinking at maybe a next level on a hand, you find yourself in that, well, they know that I know that they know this is a good bluff spot or steel spot. And so they would bet and, you know, this is a good spot for me to call. And the reality is a lot of times I play opponents. Um, I find myself in hands with people who just, they, they, they can't think that way and they don't think that way. Uh, and uh, sometimes I, I make that mistake and it's just another place where sometimes I leave a little more money on the table that I really shouldn't or even find myself, uh, you know, maybe dumping a few chips to somebody where if I really would have thought it out, um, you know, I, I would have maybe just made a fold to someone as opposed to, you know, overthinking my opponent.
I still have a tendency to punt off chips to go into desperation mode too early. I think I see the pros and I read the books and they talk about shoving with 15 or 20 big blinds. And I think that's appropriate for some of the tournaments that they're playing where you've got uh, long levels and deep structures and all of those things. I think I tend to take that into my games that running aces or grand casino where the average stack might be eight or ten big blinds. And so if I have six or seven big blinds, yeah, I <laughs> I don't have many big blinds, but I've got a lot compared to the rest of the field, and I've got a significant amount of equity in that stack, and so I've got to learn how to play more patient, wait for better spots. I'm still not afraid to put my, my chips in the middle, but I do need to figure out a way to not punt off stacks. And the other thing I, I need to improve on is... is uh, Almost invariably in tournaments where I fail, there's that one hand where I try to run a bluff and I kind of get married to the bluff. And obviously sometimes it works, but those where I don't, it's where I'm I'm running, you know, I three bet pre-flop with, with not a great hand. And then I continuation bet when it checked to me. And then I raise on the turn or whatever it is. And I kind of get myself in so deep on a hand that really didn't have much equity because my read was I could get my opponent to fold. Well, of course, like I said, sometimes that happens, but other times it doesn't, and I end up losing a half to two-thirds of my chips without really a chance to win the hand. And so I need to at least continue to noodle that and figure out what's appropriate in those situations. Hoping to be more aggressive and work on building my stack size versus having that focus on more of not losing the chips that I have. I tend to get a lot more nervous and try try not to um, bet as large. And then when people are coming up over the top of me, I back off or get a, get worried. And then even though I don't lose as many chips, I don't have that potential of building my stack size either. And and realizing that sometimes they they may be just bluffing me off or that. When I have a decent hand, not not to always think, oh, well, they I don't have the nuts, and therefore they, they probably have me beat. I also want to focus more on the stack size, uh, my stack size in, in general, and how many big blinds I have, and then also the stack size of the other people in, at the table in relation to mine and especially anybody that's in the pot with me and just trying to use that as as an advantage or knowing I have have the other people covered or not or um or I could end up losing my whole stack or or who I want to play against I'd also like to try to figure out um and be able to focus on the body language of the other players and then trying not to be giving away anything of my myself but uh in general, I have a harder time trying to keep track of what, you know, if not necessarily even just tells, but if somebody seems nervous this particular hand or not, or excited, and then also just in general people's playing styles to try to put somebody into a more of a category of are they aggressive, or are they loose, do they bluff a lot, um, and just trying to keep track of that from player to player or from game to game because I play with a lot of the same people and seeing if that that can help my my game overall as well and then lastly one of the things I know 
I don't do so well with is uh, I have a tendency to show my hands at the end whether uh, somebody paid to or not and so I know I'm giving away a lot of additional information each time I do that and so I'm really working on trying to focus on not showing my hand unless it goes to the showdown and and I need to to do that to, to win that particular pot. What are the most common mistakes that I see less experienced players repeatedly making? As I think about this question I think to the number of hands people play. It seems like people play um, way too many hands, which means they're playing a lot of hands out of position. And I see them get into trouble. They'll, they'll win a number of, uh, of pots, but when they run into good players, um, it seems like I, I watch these good players just take advantage of them. I also see um, a lot of players just being, I guess what I'd call way too predictable. They do the same thing over and over. They'll, uh, you can tell pretty early on that they love their aces, ace regs. They'll play. You can tell um, that they're going to call almost any pre-flop just to see a flop. And then if they don't have it, they'll fold. And if they do have it, they'll bet. And so they're real easy to play against post-flop. So being predictable, it would be another thing I see uh, a number of inexperienced players do. Um, so I'm going to start off with a cautious disclaimer that says there's a lot of things that I do that more experienced players would say is a mistake and I'm commonly doing it. Um, so I'm not trying to pick on less experienced players than myself, but trying to shine some light on where they could use some improvement. Um, so the first common mistake that I see people making is limping pre-flop. I think this is a huge mistake, especially when someone is the first to enter the pot. Uh, so by this, players ha have the action on them, there's no raises in front of them, and they decide they're just going to make the initial call of the big blind. I'm of the school of thought that if you're the first one to put chips into the pot, it should be a raise. You should make other people make decisions off of uh, your bet because they can always fold and you just win right there without seeing a flop. Uh, I'll put a small disclaimer that if people are limping in front of you, it sometimes does make sense to limp behind if you don't want to bloat the pot. If you have seen a player limp and then call a raise and you don't have a hand that you want to play a big pot with, but you'd rather play a small pot with. Uh, an example may be pocket sixes, on the button with two limpers in front of you, if you have information that says if you raise there and those two limpers are still going to play the hand with you, it doesn't make sense to open with a raise there. Uh, the second thing is hand ranging and opening of hands. Uh, so I think a lot of people think just statically about what hands they're going to be opening with and it really depends on what position you're in. Uh, so ace-10 suited is a good hand to open with from the cutoff, but it might not be the best hand to open with under the gun. And it all depends on table dynamics, but just at a flat level, even playing surface in a vacuum, whatever you want to say, uh, opening ace-10 suited under the gun is very different than opening ace-10 suited from the cutoff. Uh, number one is they're just playing too many hands. 
you know, not all hands play themselves, obviously, and, and they just, many inexperienced players just don't, you know, they just don't have the skill to be, to you know, playing a lot of hands. They're playing hands out of position, uh, and, ten, you know, and, you know, the ultimate result of that is they just tend to bleed chips. Um, I also see them really giving their hands away a lot with the amounts that they're betting, really varying their bets, especially pre-flop, depending upon the strength or weakness of their hands uh, and, and giving a lot of things away that way. Boy, there's lots of them. Uh, I would say first and foremost is they simply play too many hands. Um, too many hands and far too willing to call raises consistently. Um, nothing's going to crush a starting stack, you know, like constantly being in hands and then, um, you know, calling it off and have to fold after the flop. Um, and I see it all the time. I see it every game I play. Uh, it almost doesn't even matter the size of the games uh, that I play. I, I see it constantly. Um, you know, another one is uh, so often you'll suddenly see uh, a player that lets themselves get drawn into just these monster pots really early in tournaments too. Um, you, you know, they might be a uh, hundred blinds deep and all of a sudden all their chips are in the middle. And uh, obviously it generally happens against players who are far more experienced than they are. And, um, you know, they just, they just allow themselves to be exploited by, you know, better players. And um, it's okay to find the fold button every once in a while. Um, so, yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, I, I think those are probably the most, and then maybe probably the last one would be that they just will open limp way too often. I'm a firm believer in if you're going to be in a hand, you should be raising. Um, you know, I, I'll watch players that'll limp four hands in a row and then someone will raise and they'll be blown off. Uh, their hand they have to fold preflop, and then the fifth hand will be dealt out, and once again they'll limp straight into the pot. And you just think, you know, all those chips that they're just giving away freely—just um, a terrible thing to to do to a, a a starting stack of chips. So I still continue to see a lot of people limping a lot of pots. I see that happening all the time, where there's limp, 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 limp. And frankly, in some of those tournaments, I pick up a lot of chips just by raising in late position over the top of them. So say there's three limps at one big blind each, I go to eight big blinds and almost always I get folds all the way around. And so I just picked up five, five and a half, six big blinds, which is fantastic. And in a tournament that's as shallow as the ones I play, that's often 10 to 20% improvement in my stack. And often, uh, and then when I get called, I, somebody limp calls me I mean, if they limp re-raise me, I think they got a monster and they're trying to be tricky. If they limp call, they're just being stubborn with pocket fours or ace jack or something like that. And two-thirds of the time or more, I'm going to be able to raise or bet on the flop and push them off. And now instead of picking up three or four or five big blinds, I pick up 13 big blinds. And so I see that happening quite a bit where people are, are limping and then they're limp calling out of position. Uh, those things are pretty significant. I still see a fair amount of people raising too small when they raise like for example there's three limps and then somebody raises they double it or they even go to three times which is just not going to accomplish what they're hoping to accomplish which I'm not sure if they know what they're they're trying to accomplish I'd always be curious to know are you raising that 
to try to get action? Are you raising it to build a pot? Are you raising it to try to get folds? What's actually happening? Because in that situation, you're just not going to get people to fold their, their marginal hand, which is maybe what you want. And if you have a big hand, you don't, you're, you're going to end up playing it against four or five people. So I think that's another significant uh, mistake that they make. Uh, I see people getting married to top pair way too much. Um, even top pair with an ace kicker, uh, people will end up throwing 100 big blinds into a pot when they, they just have to be beat. But even worse than that, I see people with, say, like queen jack, and there's a jack on the flop, and people just get married to it. And they're playing it three or four-handed, and somebody has king jack or ace jack or pocket queens or, or some two pair or something. And people give a lot of chips away uh, with, a, with what ends up being a marginal hand. So I think those are, are pretty big mistakes. First off, I, it seems to me like people there's a number of people out there that play way too many hands. And they have this idea that any two cards can win or that they can outplay everybody else at the table, that they're good enough. And uh, in general, it, I think it backfires on them. And then when they are playing hands, they they play to the play to the end, even if they didn't hit on the flop, or they have other people playing against them that are betting and raising and raising big, and they have the middle pair or something that they 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 haven't really got a good hand, but but they don't actually back out, and they end up putting a lot of chips into the pot and. It, so they lose. I also see on a lot of people that panic too early when they get chip, chip stack starts to get low. Uh, so they're going all in with quite a few big blinds or they're going all in with pretty much nothing in a, in a position just because they, they think they got, that's their only choice. Uh, instead of realizing how many free hands they have yet before they're even in the small blind again or just uh, trying to build their stack back up if they have a bad beat they lose a bunch of chips it seems like they try to bet right away in the next few hands they end up betting really large to try to get those chips back instead of just waiting patiently for a good hand again or the right spot I also see a lot of people that do this play this pot committed and even when they have nothing if somebody makes a smaller bet or compared to the pot size they they have this idea that well I got a call here just because I'm pot committed I already have so many chips in but if you have nothing it's to me it doesn't make any sense to keep chasing after something or just adding chips if you know you're beat already and then um, just in general you know, if anybody that if they don't realize that they have the nuts and they're they're not taking advantage of that fact, or the opposite is, you know, having two pair or something and and not realizing that there's straight and flush possibilities out there on the board, and not not seeing that that you could be beaten in other ways. All right, we'll be right back with more questions right after this brief message. Running Aces Casino and Racetrack has the best poker room in Minnesota, featuring 24-7 promos on all cash poker games, including earning $2 per hour in comps, plus the most player-friendly tourney structures. Visit RunAces.com for daily promotions and the tournament calendar. Running Aces Casino and Racetrack, 
the official sponsor of Rec Poker. What are the things that I do to improve my game? I've done a little reading, but I find it very difficult to read poker books for any length of time. Uh, I've done some listening to some uh, books on tape. That's a little easier in some ways, but in some ways when you don't have the hands that they're talking about in front of you, I found that, that to get difficult too. Some, some books are much easier than others. If they're talking theory, I can listen to that. If they're talking specific hands, that gets difficult to listen to. The, probably the biggest thing I've done to improve my game is to talk poker with people that want to talk poker. Even the um, people that are at my level of play or below or slightly above, um, just to talk it out and see somebody, see somebody make some plays or just talk to them about uh, what they were thinking in a hand. That type of thing has just really helped me over the long run. This is a question that I wish I could answer more in depth. I wish I did more reading of poker books. I wish I listened to more podcasts. I wish I read more blogs. Uh, the truth is I don't do a lot of that, but I do a little bit of all of those things. Uh, so first, I'm subscribed to three different podcasts that I tend to listen to while I'm at work, which isn't the best way of trying to improve your game, but it's better than nothing. Uh, a lot of the time it's when I'm doing work and it's a voice in the background, but if I'm thinking intently about something, I'm not pausing the podcast to not miss something. I may miss some pieces of information or discussions on certain things, and it's not the best way of learning from that aspect. Also, I do tend to go to forums and just review hands and people's thoughts on different hands. Uh, so 2 plus 2 has great forums for that. Uh, there is also the subreddit of poker, and although the information there is less valuable than I would say you would find on 2 plus 2, you can still get input of how other people would view certain hands, why they'd make certain decisions, and those types of things. Um, books, I like to read poker books, but I'm not the most dedicated reader there is. Uh, so I really have to force myself to sit down, read a book, and for the rec poker, we're doing the book study of Jonathan Little's Secrets of Professional Tournament Poker. And it's one thing to just read the book, but what I'm trying to do is take notes as I'm going through, figure out where Jonathan Little is saying one thing about his game or how he suggests people play and where I take a different approach and try and figure out why that is and what's his reasoning behind it and what I would stand to improve or lose if I would make this change to my game. Uh, there's no one way to play poker correctly and I think that is also important to think about when you're trying to improve your game. You can try and mimic one person's style or how they play, but that not, might not be the exact style that you're best at. There are very aggressive poker players, there are very tight po poker players, and you personally aren't going to be best served as being a aggressive poker player and not a tight poker player or a tight poker player and not an aggressive poker player. Uh, so you have to figure out the style that works for you and be able to adapt your game to improve the best for yourself.
you know, I've got a, I've got a few books that I've read, and I kind of keep those, and I go back and I reread them, and it's amazing how often, uh, you know, you'll pick up new things that you know completely you I've missed or went over my head the first one, two, or three times reading it. Um, watch videos on YouTube and and really just just play and pay attention and and uh, you know putting everything into your memory and and falling that stuff away to you know break out at later date um i also have a few uh uh a couple close friends one's a, a real good cash player another one's a great tournament player and uh you know we just talk all the time and and uh you know anything i can do to sponge up their their experience and their lessons i'm i'm all for well i, I have to start out by saying rec poker right uh, uh listen to uh, you know, all these really great uh, tips and pointers that uh, we get from our great Minnesota uh, poker community, our pros, our semi-pros, and our rec players. Um, super helpful, always. Um, uh, my personal favorite way, uh, other than rec poker, is uh, just uh, individual discussion. I like to go over hand scenarios with kind of my inner circle and, and uh, I get approached actually quite often uh, people that know that I play uh, you know want to ask you know uh, you know what what would I do in a situation and, and just hearing other people talk about uh, situations that they've been in um, you know kind of really helps me to develop you know maybe new and different ways of thinking about a hand or the way it should be played um, I certainly do, uh, you know, a little bit of reading. I, I certainly uh, read all kinds of different blogs uh, online. Uh, I have a few poker books uh, on my shelf as well. Um, you know, but I really love the, the personal, um, you know, just discussing it with other players uh, of all different ranges, those that are better than me, those that you know, maybe you're a little less experienced than myself and, and sort of just see all the viewpoints and be able to put together kind of this complete uh, picture of, you know, just hand scenarios and what I would do or, you know, maybe what the right course of action would be in uh, any given situation. So, uh, the, you know, those are kinds of the things I do to improve. Of course, I do my own self uh, hand analysis from uh, tournaments and games that I play. Um, uh, I keep a journal, I keep uh, accurate records of everything that I'm in and, and sort of uh, analyze what games I'm playing the best in, you know, maybe what games I'm not doing that well in and, and what adjustments can be made or maybe certain things should just be taken out of my tournament schedule and rotation. So that's kind of the things I do to sort of help myself improve. Well, honestly, I started the Rec Poker podcast in part because I wanted to have something that would allow me to talk to the great players in the state of Minnesota, talk to other recreational players, force me to be thinking about poker more and more. So starting a poker podcast is, is, is good, but I'd say also listening to poker podcasts is good. Uh, I think the most value I ever get is talking to other players about situations or about theory or about strategy. Those things are fantastic. I don't do much with online videos. I don't do much with uh, reading uh, forums and blogs and those sorts of things. I think for me, it, it's much more, it has to be much more interactive than that. I think uh, I'm a question asker 
it by very nature. So when I can be with somebody where I can ask questions to clarify or say, yeah, but what about this? Or what would influence that? Those are the things that really make me a better player. So I think you really need to look at how are you wired? What's your learning style? And then find things in those mediums that will accomplish that. Um, so I would say really start with, in the past, how have you learned about things, whether it's on the job or other things? In what ways have you learned about things the best? And then look for those things in the poker sphere and, um, and go from there. So some of the things I do to improve my game is just to try to play whenever I can. In general, the two leagues that I'm in are over the fall and, and during the winter time. And the group that plays at work a couple times a year is usually once in the fall and once in the in the spring. So during the summer, I feel like I forget a lot of this stuff and that it's not like riding a bike. But the more you play and the more often you play, the the more you're you're learning and and it's just keeping those those ideas top of mind. I have read a couple of books. And I do take part in this rec poker podcast, and I and I listen to the other podcasts that I haven't been part of. I like to talk about hands with some of the other players, uh, either while while we're playing or or over lunch type of thing. And I've actually tried to help teach some some other coworkers how to play, or try to get my kids and in, interested in playing. And I feel like by um, trying to teach somebody else and they have all the questions and trying to answer those those questions or explain things helps you think about it a little bit deeper and think about the, the reasoning and just seeing other people's opinions or what they're thinking can be really helpful. Um, poker is one of these things that I don't feel like there is really a right or a wrong and there's so many different opinions and ideas out there. It's really good to to listen to somebody else talk through the, what they would do in a particular hand and and why, not just trying to memorize that I do this or that, but but having those reasons can help you in different hands that are similar but not exactly the same, where where certain things uh, might not correlate, even though you thought they're they're close but there might be because of the reason behind something you can realize that no I don't want to play this particular hand the same way as as that other one that was was somewhat close what are my primary goals with poker for me hold'em has provided a non-physical way of being competitive I grew up competitive all the way through high school and college, and it beat up the body a little bit. And when we're in their late 40s, that part is not as easy to find. So this is a great place to be competitive. So my one of my main goals is to be competitive. That would be to win more than I lose. And then along with that, I would say just to improve. If I find that I'm not improving after another year or two, that's that's going to be disappointing. So I want to keep improving. Have a positive ROI would be a, a very uh, concrete goal to have. Then the others that you know Stevie listed on on the question sheet was you know to win a major tournament, to have fun, make good decisions. All, all those are good, but I think my primary goal is to to be competitive, keep improving, and I really want to be a positive player. 
win more than I lose. I really love the social side of poker and deep down that's an important part to me too. If, if it's not where I'm meeting with good people that I really enjoy, um, then I will probably give it up. But so far, uh, the poker community has been fantastic. Been meeting some great people and having a good time. And so I guess having fun, being social is all part of it. But again, for me, um, if I'm not, if I'm losing money along the way, I can't keep, I can't keep doing this. So I need to have a positive ROI and have a good time and meet some great people. And I think this is the easiest question for me to answer. Um, I'm a very competitive person. I love playing games, sports, whatever it may be. Uh, and poker is just another one of those for myself. And when I'm in this competitive mindset, I'm trying to improve. Um, so it could be the same thing with you know, softball or flag football, both things that I love to do, but I'm trying to get better at those things because winning is more fun than losing. And that's my goal with poker. I enjoy playing poker. Uh, I find it relaxing. I find it enjoyable. Uh, Steve always talks about his return on happiness, I believe is his acronym. But uh, when you go out and play poker, are you enjoying yourself or is it not fun? And a lot of people have more fun when they're winning. I'm one of those people. So I'm trying to improve myself uh, to get the most joy out of playing poker that I can. Um, to do that, you know, I'm trying to make good decisions. I find it easiest to go out and play poker when on my drive home, I am not questioning the decisions I made. So I want to be able to go to a poker tournament be able to sit down at the table and not feel bad about decisions or start beating myself up about a decision that I made. A lot of people have the goal of having a positive ROI or they want to make a profit or they want to make X dollars in a year and that's not me. I'm never going to be quitting my day job to play poker full time. So my main goal is to just have fun. Now, if that involves winning a big tournament or having a nice score, you know, that's that's pretty nice. But right now, I'm just trying to enjoy myself when I go out and play poker. Obviously, it's just, you know, to improve, uh, just, you know, keep working hard on, on limiting my mistakes. Ultimately, would I love to be able to make a living at this game? I would. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen until the youngest is out of high school, but um, that would be my ultimate goal. Well, I suppose the easy thing would be to say to uh, be able to make a run to the World Series of Poker, win the main event, and become uh, wealthy and famous in the poker world, and that would be awesome. Uh, but the truth is, is uh, you know, it's a game that I just I love, and uh, I'm so completely uh, just I don't know. I'm just taken by the game I just if I'm not playing I want to play um, if I can bend somebody's ear and talk about it I will um, and, and more than the money what I love about poker is the freedom uh, to be able to you know do the things that I want and uh, and um, you know kind of come and go as I please that we're not offered by uh, regular jobs. I do have a regular job, uh, but um, obviously my goal would be 
the more I can put on poker, the happier and the better that would be for me. Um, uh, and mostly, you know, my goal for those that see me around the, the poker rooms, um, especially like Aces and, and Grand Casino, Hinkley, is I just, I, I like to just be an ambassador for the game. I like to be a positive influence to other players. Um, I feel like I've been part of the community for probably 15 years, uh, getting more and more into it every year that goes by. And I just really want to be somebody, uh, you know, who helps positively draw new people to the game, uh, make it fun, uh, for them. And, uh, you know, and, and just to help our game and our community grow. Because here in Minnesota, we have a fantastic uh, poker community. And uh, I'm really happy and proud to be a part of it. And uh, I'm always happy to support Steve with Rec Poker. And uh, anything I can do just to be part of the, the poker community here in Minnesota is awesome to me. And, and uh, I guess that's kind of my goals. So thanks very much. I have a lot of goals with poker, or a lot of things, a lot of reasons why I play poker. Number one is um, I, I just love the game, and I love doing things that I love. It's my hobby. My hobby used to be fishing. My hobby used to be playing tennis. Used to be playing basketball. Now my hobby is poker because it's it's something I just thoroughly enjoy. And I think part of what I enjoy about it is the competitive nature. I'm at a stage in my life where I'm not going to be able to do the same physical things I used to be able to do. And, and this gives me that competitive edge. I can go mano y mano and, you know, I can take on all the guys and gals at the table and see who can come out on top. I mean, I recognize that there's luck and recognize there's variance, but uh, I love trying to match wits with other people in this sort of a setting. Uh, but I'm also doing it from a social perspective. I love meeting all the people that I meet. Uh, I've met so many of you that are listening. I've become good friends with a lot of people simply because... I started playing poker, um, so I love that. But but ultimately, I do want to make money at this game. Now, I'm not ever planning on becoming a pro. I don't have that skill set. Um, I don't want that volatility of income in my life. Um, but I do want to make money. That's part of a measurement of how well am I playing, how good am I doing. And so uh, it's all of those things. I'm doing it for fun. I'm doing it for competitiveness. But I track everything, and I want to do whatever I can to maximize my ROI and figure out how do I get to that place. Uh, it'd be great. I would love to someday win uh, a fairly big tournament. Uh, at this point, it doesn't need to be a huge tournament, but um, you know, something like uh, you know one of the 280s uh, at, at Running Aces, or you know, one even one of the deep stacks. There, I've won a, t a bunch of tournaments, um, but they're all sort of in that hundred dollar, seventy dollar uh, range, and those are good. Those are nice paydays. Those are you know, I'm very proud of those. But I want to win a tournament, or at least run really deep, where I can look at the field and say, wow, that was a lot of really good players in that. I think something like the, the six max tournament that I just played last year, I'm going to play it again coming up. I finished fifth, and I was very proud of that. There's a really good field. Even though it was only like 72 players, it was still a very good field. And I think even winning something like that would have given me that, that confidence to know that I can play with the best of the best. Uh, I've run deep in a lot of good tournaments. I've final tabled, um, you know, some big tournaments. I've got a $10,000 cash. Um, but I feel like, you know, in those critical situations, there's times where I, I lose races, but there's also times where I maybe overplay things. And so I want to continue to get that experience and get better. So 
Uh, when you talk about the goals, I want to have fun. I want it to be social. I want it to be competitive. I want to have a high ROI. But I ultimately would love to win um, a very significant, or, you know, for me, a significant tournament and kind of put myself on the poker map in the Minnesota scene beyond what I do with Rec Poker and All In For Africa. I think I've got uh, respect of the poker world doing these things, and I've built a lot of relationships. But I would love to get to that stage where people say, okay, that's actually a very good player. He's not just a guy that's doing cool things with charity poker and a podcast. So that would be one of my goals as well. So my primary goal is just to have fun, hang out with friends and coworkers. Uh, the one league I'm in, I actually there's a number of high school and college friends that are in there, along with uh, their acquaintances that I've been in the league for a few years and gotten to know. So it it meets uh, every other week for for ten weeks, and it's a opportunity to get together with these friends and see them multiple times over the year if we were just trying to get our families together I'd maybe see them a couple of times a year and so the longer I can last the longer I get to hang out with them and so it's not always about trying to build these huge stacks it's just trying not to get knocked out right away uh, if I can break even for the league that's great if I'm down a little bit, you know, it's cheap entertainment. And like I said, I get to hang out with a bunch of friends. And if you make a little bit of money, that that's all the better. So, um, and actually the, the actuarial group from work that we play with, it's a $10 buy-in, $10 rebuy. So even if I end up rebuying, everybody brings uh, snacks and stuff and it's a it's a cheap night of entertainment without uh, a lot of stress or whatever and play, doing something that I enjoy because I like the strategy and the thinking about uh, and and playing the poker as well. But it's also a good opportunity of something to do to hang out and have fun outside of work as, uh, with with uh, some of my coworkers. Uh, someday I'd, I'd like to get to the point where I could go play uh tournament at a casino and do okay uh, and have an idea of what what I'm doing and learn the lingo etc and not feel so out of place but right now I don't really have a whole lot of time for that kind of thing with the, having the three kids that are fairly active as well and so being in the two leagues and getting together with the co-workers a couple times a year is uh, plenty of poker for me and uh but I do have fun with it and hope that uh, I can spend more time with it as I have more free time as the kids get older or whatever too. So that that's pretty much my, my goal is to have fun and not lose too much. And it, it's a good hobby. So and it keeps my brain thinking there's so much stuff going on all the time with every hand being a little bit different. So it it helps with that focus and, and thinking. And I like the problem solving kind of thing with that and uh, puzzles and that kind of stuff and poker fits right in that so well thanks for joining us once again for the rec poker podcast make sure you follow us on twitter at rec poker we got a facebook group uh, there's also a page but we really use the group so check that out uh, more than anything else you can get all of the past episodes and the current episodes and all the descriptions at the running aces website you go to runaces.com slash rec poker you can get everything you want to know out there. You can figure out how to get a hold of me if you want to as well. 
And another plug for All In For Africa, Saturday, October 28th at Running Aces. Going to be a great time. If you want to be a bounty or if you want to donate a prize, please uh, get in touch with me soon and we will make that happen. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.